With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You better watch out, you better not cry. You better not pout, I'm telling you why. Basketball's coming to town. Basketball's coming to town. Basketball's coming to town. Scott's making a list. Grant's checking it twice. They're gonna find out who's naughty and nice. Basketball's coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Basketballs are coming to town. Ooh, ho, 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 boys. Boom, the boys are back, and we got a quick little abbreviated, uh, you know whip around uh, for the K-State KU game. We will have our good friend Mason Voth going back to back. We got him for the Sunflower Showdown. And then our friend Andy Mitz of the 10-12 Network as well. I will end the show talking a little bit K-State men's and women's basketball. And then we're going to call it a day on this Black Friday and the kickoff to Christmas season. Before we do, remember, Manhattan Brewing Company has been sponsoring this show all year long. If you want the best, most fresh, and coolest spot to drink craft beer in the entire state of Kansas, check out Manhattan Brewing Company. They got their house divided beer that is a collaboration with Lawrence Beer Company on tap. Check them out before the Sunflower Showdown. They got their Christmas decorations up. Go in there, have a couple pints, and take a couple four packs to your tailgate. So without further ado, let's get to Mason Boat. Ladies and gentlemen, I am back. Thank you to Scott, who uh, must have heard my pleas and my my disrespect that I felt from doing the West Virginia game. I was like, well, I mean, I'll do it. I love doing this, but come on. I, I didn't get the Kansas game. I didn't get the KU nod. No fear. I got the nod. And I was planning on coming over here and saying a bunch of rude and nasty things about the Kansas Jayhawks and their fans. But I have a much different job this time than I did last year. So I'm not going to be as opinionated and hot takey and mean as I once would have been. Uh, I will just tell you that uh, I have always been a K-State guy. And if you are a Kansas representative, you have to do a lot more to work your way into my heart. So I'm just going to leave it there. I'd be a lot nastier if I didn't have a job with well-respected people. And I have to be much more of a journalist than a hot taker like I've been in past years. 
Uh, real quick, just so people know, my number, I'm 24 years old. That means KU is 4-20 uh, and 20 all-time against K-State since I've been alive. Three of those losses were with Ron Prince as the head coach for K-State, so they don't really matter. Let's dive into the stuff that does really matter, though. K-State is one game away from playing for a Big 12 title. All they need to have happen is a win against Kansas, something, again, that they have not failed to do since uh, 2008. That's the last time they lost to Kansas. So they just have to do something that uh, they've done for the last however many years, and they're in. Or if Baylor can just take care of business on Friday and beat Texas, then they are also in from that standpoint. So that's the biggest note of the weekend. But there's a lot going into this game with Kansas. It's the first time since 2009 that K-State is going to be playing a KU team that is above 500. Uh, I went, I did the research making sure that there wasn't like a game that got played in week five or something where KU uh, already had three wins or whatever. No, not the case. This is the first time since 2009 that K-State will face a KU team above 500. This is also going to be the third time in four years that Chris Kleiman will face Kansas with his team being ranked. Uh, the first two uh, times that he got to face KU, he was number 22 and number 20 in the country, and he has just ripped through the Jayhawks. I mean, he beat them by 28, year number one. That was uh, the Les Miles showdown where KU thought they were back. They were not and uh, fortunately, Les Miles' kid got a little garbage time touchdown late because his daddy called a bunch of timeouts. Then the blowout the next year, 55-14. to Phillip Brooks just going off, running every punt back and forth. And then last year, a nice clean 35-10 to beat down in Lawrence. Now they return to Manhattan under the lights, 7 o'clock. Might be a little bit of rain coming down. It's going to be a really, really exciting game. So uh, here's the thing that I'm looking at and what we can have coming up in K-State's matchup with Kansas. The Wildcats are coming off that game in Morgantown. They got off to the quick start, but West Virginia was able to answer quite a bit. I think there's just some weirdness that happened in that game. I wouldn't be too terribly concerned about what happened there for K-State, but you do need to watch out for everything that's going on in the secondary. The fact that they're going to be without Sincere Mason for the season now and you've lost two guys that have played safety for you in back-to-back weeks, that's concerning because um, I I may have mentioned it last week, but there were moments where you could see when K-State has lost the defensive back in the game, there's been some communication problems. Um, And then last week we saw in the West Virginia game where Drake Cheatham and Josh Hayes both kind of got turned around, confused, and beat pretty good um, a couple of times. KU definitely has the athletes to to do that type of thing to you. So K-State's going to have to kind of be on their toes there. But everything else that K-State did in Morgantown was fantastic and just aligns with what they've done all year. Brennan Mott comes away with the three sacks, so that was great. The pass rush was getting there, making life miserable. And then you look offensively, Will Howard continues to be that guy, even though he threw the pick six. That wasn't like a a Will Howard mistake we saw the first two years of his career. That was a dude that is confident in his ability and just feels like, I can make any play I want to. He tried to make the play. It wasn't there. He forced it, but he came back and answered in a big-time way. Didn't have any lingering effects of what took place there. That's awesome, so he's on a roll. Malik Knowles is a guy that this season has been kind of this, this 
time where he's put everything together. There's been potential there. Everybody loves the size and skill, but sometimes drops, sometimes injuries, whatever has come in to, to make things a little bit difficult. The best thing, though, that has happened is that he's done everything perfect this year. Outside of that fumble at the goal line at Iowa State, which I still get nightmares each time he gets to the one-yard line that it's going to get popped free, he's been really good for K-State. And then my boy, Ben Gronkowski, Ben Sennett, how can you not love what he's doing right now for K-State? He's making every play that they need him to. He's been pretty sure-handed. And, I mean, he he's been just this big outburst for K-State. And Will Howard is comfortable getting the ball to him. And he uses his athleticism and his size perfectly together to go up and make plays. Deuce Vaughn had some good moments in the game against West Virginia. Didn't seem like he was maybe running at 100%, but... We'll have to see how he plays against Kansas. They're the perfect game for him to just prove, you know, that maybe I'm an idiot for thinking that he wasn't uh, at 100% because KU does not defend the run very well. The Jayhawks have given up over 200 yards rushing to four opponents in Big 12 play this year. They gave up 298 to Oklahoma, 273 to Baylor, 264 to Texas Tech, and then, of course, last week, 427 to Texas when B. John Robinson went nuts. So, the duo of Vaughn and DJ Giddens, I think, is going to have a pretty big day for K-State, and that's going to be crucial. And once you beat them over the head a couple of times with the run, uh, I can very easily see some big plays in the passing game opening up for Will Howard. Because I, I just think that there are a lot of things clicking right now for this K-State offense that, that things are in, in pretty good shape as, as we stand at and watch. One of the other things to kind of keep an eye on is Kansas is 1-5 in, in their last six games. So they got to 5-0, and then they stumbled, they got to bowl eligibility, and they haven't played as well since that point. This is going to be, I think, a different Kansas team than what we've seen the last few weeks because I think once they got to bowl eligibility, they were a team that had gone all these years without really reaching that level to where they kind of settle in, like, what are we striving for now? Like, really, what is next? And I think this is what is next for them. Like, this is the next level that KU football has to take to kind of get to where they're quote-unquote back is because they haven't beaten K-State since 2008. And so you have to try and find a way to do that. So I think this is going to be the most energized we've seen Kansas in a while. Um, I don't know that you can put a ton of stock into what's happened the last few weeks other than the fact that maybe it just takes too long to get that motor turned back on and be ready to go in a game like this when you've kind of been coasting the last few weeks. And I don't know if resting on their laurels is the right term because, I mean, how much accolades you really have. You've won six games. That's great. It's different for Kansas. But I think that's something to keep an eye on is you're either going to be able to tell, I think, pretty early in this game if this Kansas team has the juice that they had at the start of the season and they're really motivated for what's going on, or if this is going to be a cakewalk for K-State where the morale isn't as high for the Jayhawks, they feel like they've already accomplished what they want to, and they're just looking forward to, to the bowl game and everything that comes after that. So I think it's going to be important for K-State in this game to take the momentum early. Uh, if we see them win the kick or win the toss, they need to receive. Every time they've done that this year, it seems like it's worked out. That's going to be an electric environment to put it to use in. 7 o'clock under the lights, Sunflower Showdown, Big 12 Championship uh, appearance on the line. Go ahead, give Will Howard and Deuce Vaughn the ball first. And I don't know, Deuce will probably break off like a 75-yard touchdown run like he did to start the second half last year against Kansas. So 
do that. I think that's a big thing is if K-State gets out there and is able to just get that crowd to 110%. I mean, they're going to be at 100% at kickoff, but get them to the next level. think that's going to be a big deal. And then the other thing that it's going to come down to for them defensively is being able to prevent serious breakdowns with the, the secondary like we saw against West Virginia because West Virginia didn't have the other pieces to kind of make anything else out of that and K-State was able to subdue any of the West Virginia threat really. KU does have a little bit more in, in the department of being able to hang in a game and fight with you a little bit better and you really shouldn't give Kansas any reason to feel the hype and, and the reason and the thought that they are still in that game. So just find a way to, to limit those big plays. And if they do happen, be sure to bounce back from them quickly and, and don't let Kansas find any momentum or footing in this game because I, I think that there is an avenue where K-State can, can get after them pretty good in this, this game, even though it's the first time K-State's facing a KU team above 500 in, in 13 years or whatever. I really do th- still think there's a path to see similar scores to what we have over this dominance in, in the rivalry. I think it's going to be uh, a really important thing for them. And, and for K-State, like they're going to have to make sure that, that they focus on Devin Neal. Like he is the, the – I'm not going to – I don't want to say this because this is what the KU radio broadcast says and it's cheesy, uh, but he is the real deal uh, in terms of being a running back that is smart, runs well, all that stuff. So K-State's going to have to try and find a way to lock him down because they kind of failed the two big tests earlier this season against TCU and Texas uh, where Kendra Miller and Bijan Robinson played big roles. So as long as K-State can, can lock in and tackle well, that's been the thing that has hurt them the most against those two teams. Those were probably the two worst tackling games that K-State had all season. Then they'll be golden and get in there. Uh, ultimately, I think K-State finds a way to win on Saturday. I just think there's too much on the line. Chris Kleiman's going to have these dudes locked in. They all know what they're playing for. I think everybody on that roster wants to beat Kansas as bad as possible, but they also want to make it to the Big 12 title game. So I, I think K-State ends up pulling this one out. I'm going to go uh, Cats 38, Kansas 20. Uh, that seems like a, a fair score. I would not be supply, surprised if it's closer. also want to be surprised if it's much greater than that. But 38 to 20 seems like kind of right in the middle of the two outcomes that I see possible. So that'll do it for me. Email online is where you can find me, Mason Voth, or at the Real Mason V on Twitter. We do a ton of different things over on email online to get you ready for the game and uh, recap everything that's taken place. Also, some great recruiting updates. Uh, very, very soon we'll be having kind of something different that goes on with Avery Johnson once he wraps up his high school season and go on from there. Uh, one of the things that, that popped over there today, keep your eye on it, when the new rankings come out, Avery Johnson has a shot to move up to a five-star candidate with rivals. So just something to, to keep in the back of your head. So that'll do it for me. Go cats. Uh, I am a, a K state alum and I would be miserable on the inside and the outside. If Kansas ended this streak, it's going to happen one day, but I sure as hell hope that it isn't going to be this Saturday. And thank you to Mason. He is definitely in the primer Hall of Fame. Heck, if things go well, uh, 
things go well versus KU. I, actually, I might have something up my sleeve uh, for a possible uh, conference championship build-up show. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what we get cooking up next week. Um, it, it will be an interesting week. I will be flying out to Indianapolis. I'll be going to the K-State Butler game. So recording schedule, it, it might get a little interesting. To say the least. All right. Now, before we get to Andy Mitz to hear the red and blue, the crimson and blue side of this rivalry matchup. Remember, we are also also sponsored by Charlie Hustle. If you have something on your own wish list for Christmas or lots of folks to shop for this Christmas season, check out charliehustle.com. They have all the best officially licensed K-State gear in the world. Also, if you're not lucky enough to only be shopping for K-State fans, they got some other colleges as well as the Arrowhead Collection, Crown Town Collection, and all sorts of Kansas City landmark shirts. They're so comfortable. I bought a couple new crew necks just recently. It is all on rocking all winter long. So check out charliehustle.com today. All right, let's hear what Andy Mitz has to say. How's it going, Bosco's Boys listeners? I am Andy Mitz. I am the host of the Rock Chalk Podcast on the 1012 Podcast Network and Sports Drink, uh, covering the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, this recent game for the Jayhawks was not very good at all. Uh, the, they got absolutely demolished by Texas, a Texas team that finally lived up to expectations for how good they are supposed to be, especially compared to a Kansas team that is still trying to get to the point where their full roster is at, you know, Big 12 caliber level players they have a lot of guys on there but they still have a ways to go to get the program turned around Lance Leipold and and his staff have gotten this team much further along than I think most people were expecting to be even possible at this point so this season the expectation was just to see improvement it was not necessarily to see you know a specific number of wins a certain accomplishment going to a bowl or anything like that it was just to see a team that was super competitive, a team that was able to stay in a lot of games, that was hopefully able to win a few games um, and do what they needed to do to set them up for continued improvement. Instead, what we got was a team that came out super hot out of the gate, a, a quarterback in Jalen Daniels who was just absolutely phenomenal, a defense that was ball hawking all over the place, you know, getting big turnovers and all this, running out to a 5-0 lead, or I'm sorry, a 5-0 record to start the year with a huge game against TCU. And then, unfortunately, the wheels have kind of come off a little bit. This team has kind of come back to earth um, and, you know, struggled. They they did beat Oklahoma State to become bowl eligible. Um, so they, they are bowl eligible at this point. Don't have to worry about that moving forward. But um, coming into this week, they do want to finish strong. They do want to finally get that win against Kansas State. And as Lance Leipold put it in his press conference, this is a – a rivalry where Kansas needs to live up to the rivalry. They have not done that in recent years. Um, and so that is a big push for them this year. From what I understand, it was one of the best pra- weeks of practice that they have had in a very long time so far. Uh, so I am looking forward to seeing what, how Kansas looks in this game coming up. Big storylines. Jalen Daniels returned uh, from injury last week against Texas. You could tell he was not 100%. J- Jason Bean was also uh, apparently banged up. The only fully healthy quarterback they had on the roster, it sounds like, was true freshman Ethan Vasco, who was not ready to start against a team like Texas. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see who starts for the Jayhawks, who's at full strength, um, you know, and and what they're able to do uh, 
Um, as well, Kansas has been has been dealing with some fairly significant injuries. They've had a lot of their defensive guys miss time, miss a game or two, kind of have to come out of games early for various injuries. Lonnie Phelps has missed a game. Kobe Bryant had a serious injury against Oklahoma. He is back and playing really well, and the expectation is that he will be just fine. But you know, there is that kind of history in the season of some pretty significant injuries for some pretty significant defensive players. Um, over on the offensive side, Daniel Hyshaw was one of the better running backs for the Jayhawks and really gave them that 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 different look, that change of pace. Um, he suffered a very significant injury. I think it was a, a hip injury of some sort, um, you know, in the game against Iowa State. Um, so unfortunate that they are without some of those big players. But Kansas does have several guys uh, that you should probably keep an eye out on. I think everybody knows about Jared Casey, the tight end who caught the pass against Texas to win that game last season. Um, he has had some really big plays this year, has continued to be a guy um, that is going to make a sneaky play or two that you're just not going to see coming, um, especially his ability to block out on the outside. Um, in terms of guys that are going to have the ball, obviously Devin Neal is the guy to to take a look at, to be, to be watching out for because of how strong of a runner he is. He has had multiple games recently of over 180 yards. I believe last week he was held um, to a, a much smaller amount against Texas, but Texas did a lot uh, to really kind of sell out uh, to stop Kansas from doing what they wanted to do offensively. So it, it kind of happens. Um, but Devin Neal has been all over the place. He has had very, very big uh, touchdown runs. He has had multiple plays. I believe on the season he has had seven plays that have gone over 50 yards, um, which is a lot. Like that's that's absolutely enormous for a single player to have done all of that. So uh, Kansas does have that big home run ability. The question is just how often do they actually use it? I will be very interested to see how that comes together and what they're able to do. In terms of keys to win the game, Kansas ha- cannot get flustered early. Um, this is a team that has been very resilient, has been very, very capable of coming back from big deficits. Um, but the problem that they do have is there has been a little bit of frustration at times that have come in. Um, you know, they have, it has been a little bit of too little, too late. Um, you know, for them in the past trying to come all the way back. Um, they cannot afford to get down by multiple scores early in the fourth quarter um, because while they have, they are a fourth quarter uh, team for sure. They are much better in the fourth quarter, I think, than any other quarter um, at all. Um, you know, they, they have gotten themselves into plenty of situations where they have too far of a hole to dig out of. So this is a team that I think has to try to get a fast start, um, has to keep it somewhat close going into halftime, and I think then from there, they can kind of exert some of that pressure. They also need to be able to get pressure with their defensive line. Um, the really, uh, the, the easiest way that they have had to be able to win this year is by using the defensive depth, um, you know, in order for them to, to rotate in defensive line guys and really wear down opponents, offensive linemen. Um, they have some very in, in, uh, a lot of ingenuity on the coaching staff for both the offense and the defense, being able to, to adapt and take a look at what's happening in the game. Um, they have not always had the personnel that they necessarily need to take get, to take advantage of holes, but they have definitely like I do not I do not worry at all about the coaching ability of them to find holes and to exploit them if it's possible for them to do that. So in terms of things that Kansas State is going to exploit for the Jayhawks, it is that running defense. Um, Kansas had uh, lots of problems defending against the run, and it's been getting worse and worse every single week. I do think part of that is guys running down, but also part of it is that they're playing better running backs. Um, you know, Texas Tech has no slouch at running back. Um, but, you know, Texas has B. John Robinson and, of course, Kansas State has Deuce Vaughn. So that is one thing that I think I expect Kansas State to really take advantage of, especially if Will Howard is is willing to tuck the ball and run 
and open up another avenue. Kansas has unfortunately struggled with quarterbacks that can run, quarterbacks that like to run. Um, it doesn't seem like Will Howard is that type of guy, and it doesn't sound like Adrian Martinez is playing. So that may be something that K-State can't necessarily exploit. Um, but Kansas is a team that gives up a lot of rushing yards. Um, you know, and, and really it's about keeping that momentum going, building up that rhythm and really moving forward with it. If, if, if Kansas State can get into that rhythm and really just start moving the ball, you know, six, seven yards at a time, um, they can march all the way down the field. It saps all the energy out of the Kansas team, um, for a while until they can get a big play. And so I think that's the best, the best way that Kansas State can exploit that. And of course, being at home and, you know, a special team score or something like that would be, great for them considering they do that so often. So, um, you know, my expectations for this game, I do think that this Kansas State team is much better than I gave them credit for going into the year. Um, they have been able to, you know, gel all the questionable areas that I expected. And of course, with the emergence of Will Howard, um, the dynamic nature of this offense is is uh, much better than I was expecting it to be able to be. Um, you know, I think even with Adrian Martinez, the fact that he runs was um, going to give them a good opportunity to really exploit the one weakness that Kansas for sure had coming into the year. Um, but so I, I don't expect Kansas to win this game, but I do expect them to be at least somewhat competitive going into the fourth quarter. Um, the question has been going to be, can they keep it within two scores? Um, I do think that Kansas has a good shot at covering this game, even backdoor covering if they have to, uh, you know, getting it back to like, you know, 12, 13 points um, right at the end of the game. To, uh, to to you know win that that betting line but I do expect Kansas State to win this game um, you know I will I will actually be in Manhattan for this game I'm looking forward to taking it in as a member of the media to be able to watch it but um, this is a game I think that a lot of people are going to enjoy a lot of people are going to see it and I'm just ready for competitive great sunflower showdowns moving forward even if Kansas can't get this one so um, again, I'm Andy Metz. I am the host of the Rock Chalk Podcast. I also write about the Jayhawks over at Blue Wings Rising, uh, which is the Sports Illustrated Fan Nation site that covers the Jayhawks. Um, I do like to talk over on the 1012 Podcast about all of the Big 12. I try to be as fair to Kansas State as I possibly can, but I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know as much about Kansas State as I would normally like to. Um, it's it's a little weird that that's one of the blind spots in terms of the team, but or in terms of the conference, but I am doing everything I can to try to learn more about them. And you guys can all, of course, keep me honest and, and make sure that I'm not uh, being completely unreasonable when it comes to what's going on with Kansas State. Um, but you can follow me over on Twitter personally at AndyMets12. You can follow the podcast at Rock Chalk Pod, And of course, you can follow the website at Blue Wings Rise all over on Twitter if you want to get as as unbiased as possible, Kansas information, guys that try to evaluate, we have a great staff over there, that try to evaluate the Jayhawks as objectively as we possibly can, um, obviously taking into account the fact that we are Kansas fans, but um, we do try to be realistic about what Kansas is able to do. So, um, But again, looking forward to a great Sunflower Showdown, and uh, you know, um, thank you guys for listening. And thank you to Andy Mitz of the Rock Chalk Pod and the 1012 Network. Well, we're going to wrap up real quick, uh, talking a little bit of K-State men's and women's basketball. I'm recording this right after the emotional big-time 
K-State win over Nevada in overtime down the Grand Cayman Islands. Uh, recording this obviously before K-State plays LSU in the championship game due to uh, some scheduling stuff. Uh, just have to pre-record a lot of episodes this week. Um, so I have no idea how that one goes. But I will say I am overly impressed with uh, the, the, the grit of this K-State basketball team. Uh, first and foremost, you know, this was uh, the toughest matchup they've had so far this year. Uh, without a doubt, the Nevada team, uh, a solid team. I, I think that, uh, you know, they're going to finish uh, middle of the pack, maybe upper middle half of uh, the Mountain West. So better than most of the scrubs we've been playing so far. Um, had to battle back. It, it was really a uh, knockout, drag out type of uh, battle early on in basically the entire game. We did get up by about nine. Um, and this is this is uh, some of the concerning part. We'll, we'll do the concerning stuff. Then we'll talk about uh, th- then we'll talk about uh, the pluses. Um, you get up nine and then you just absolutely collapse down the stretch. Just absolutely collapse. But they were able to make plays uh, when the opportunity presented themselves. Um, we are turning the ball over like crazy. Um, that is something that is happening not just in uh, this game versus Nevada. Uh, pulling up the stat sheet right now. Where are... This is horrible podcasting, and I apologize for it. 15 turnovers. 15 turnovers in the game. Um, Far too many, and a lot of them just at really bad times. Um, And I'll also say defense was not very good at all. Um, Nevada shot over 50% from the field. So... A lot of this could be, I think, explained away by this was our third game in five days. Um, second game back-to-back. And we're going to have a massive uh, game with LSU. Again, I'm not going to talk too much about it because it would have already happened by the time you listen to this. Um, but uh, a lot of it could be explained away. Um, but at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is the win. And the big reason, massive reason why we won this game is because the individual performances by two guys. First off, Marquise Noel, absolute dog. Making massive plays down the stretch. Just an elite game. His game was only the fifth game in school history where we had a 20-point score and a guy with 10 assists. It's the first time since Angel Rodriguez did it versus TCU back on March 5th, uh, 2013. It's also only the fifth time that we've had two players score 25 points in the same game with Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel. Uh, The last time it happened, it was Bill Walker and Michael Beasley. Absolute massive performance. Oh man, I just got old taked exposed by Jareem Dowling. 
I, I was melting down during the game, and he retweeted it. Oh, it's not going to be a good day in the mentions, but that's okay. I'm not worried about it. It happens. I will live. I will live to see another day. Uh, the mentions are going to be bad for the next couple days. That's all right. Uh, Marquis Noel, 29 points, 11 assists, 2 rebounds. Uh, absolute player of the game. Keontae Johnson, 28 points, 9 rebounds. Absolute massive, massive game by both those guys. He also grabbed a block and a steal. There was nothing... Uh, to turn your nose up against uh, against those two. Absolute big-time game. Now, Tomlin, 9 points. Gusan, 8 points. Ishmasud, 5. Eliola, uh, Bebe, he had 2. Tyke Green, 2. Desi Seals, 7. Cam Carter, 6. Absolute gritty win. Gritty win. I hope they can pull it off. Verse... Uh, LSU in the championship game. Obviously, when you guys listen to this, it will already be done. Uh, they are now five and zero. Again, uh, nothing, nothing that has happened so far this season, I think, will be considered a quad one or two win. I don't. I think Nevada is the only one that has a shot at being a quad two win. So. Everything is still in front of this team of the work they need to do to get to the NCAA tournament, uh, but that's fine. Uh, I think this team is going to do an absolute awesome performance. Before we end, I want to give another shout-out to the K-State women's basketball team. They are now in the top 25 um, on the backs of that massive win over number 5, Iowa. They had a bunch of games just back-to-back after that Iowa game. And they are going to be playing in the Women's Paradise Jam starting on Thursday. Uh, But they took care of business, obviously, versus Iowa. Everyone knows about that. Taking down number four, Iowa. Serena Sundell and Gabby just absolutely going off in that game. Gabby Gregory, 24 points. Serena Sundell, 24 points. Uh, In the young freshman from, or the senior transfer, excuse me, from France, Sarah Shamatsi. Uh, 18 points, just absolute massive game by those uh, women, taking down one of the premier programs in women's basketball, one of the superstars in women's basketball, having an absolute game. They turn around the very next night, beat UT Rio Grande Valley 70-45, to and then they beat Utah Tech 91-82. So they're well on their way to continuing to build that resume. They take care of Clemson, Northern Iowa, and Arkansas in Paradise Jam to finish off the month of November. They might find themselves in the top 20 before getting ready to uh, get into December where they have some big games uh, versus Houston, South Dakota State, and then conference play on New Year's Eve at Texas, who's currently ranked in the top 20. Again, the expectations for this women's team have gone from being on the bubble of postseason play now to being a tournament contender. And who knows, if they can play like they did versus Iowa a handful of times this season, I mean, maybe they'll find themselves right in the nick of the Big 12 race. That's all we have I hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. I hope everyone is ready for that massive Sunflower Showdown, the 120th version of the Sunflower Showdown on Saturday. So for Jareem Dowling, who is 
who, who made sure everyone saw my meltdown tweet about the basketball game. For Chauncey Bosco, the best dog in the world, we love you guys and go Cats. Podcast Network.